And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to the season finale of My Public Life as an American Nerd. I am your host, David K. Montoya. All right, gang, welcome to the very last show uh, of not only 2020, but for season four. Um, this season's gone by pretty quickly. Uh, it, typically, it, it's a 26-week show. Last year was 26 weeks, but I was dealing with some things. And we only got 20 weeks in this year. And... I think for content-wise, I, I think I think I did a pretty good job. I know in the beginning it was really crappy, just because it had been so long since I had podcast, and then you know just now as I'm kind of getting back into flow of things, and I'm not saying um as much as I was in the beginning of the year. It's time to wrap it up, but that is okay because I am I'm shot. <laughs> Uh, I, I try to kind of regurgitate what I just said because this is take two. Everybody in the house is completely awake. It is late at night. Typically, everybody's asleep. But I need to get this out at a specific time to all of you. And there it is. So first off, let me jump right out the gate and say congratulations to all of you for making it through 2020. It has been the year of years to the point where the following year is called 2021. How does that happen? You know, it's just like we, we skip, you know, 2020 and then go to 2022. We can't do that. No, we have to proclaim that 2020 won the year. I don't know. That's just the way it works. But in all seriousness, I know... It has been a rough year for a lot of people. Um, it's, you know, the the thing is, is, and plus, I know somebody was like online recently and they were talking about there's no such thing as holiday blues. And I can tell you right now, firsthand, 21 years of medical experience, I, I worked eight years of that with the elderly and the rest of that was with ICU and cardiac patients. And I'm the type of person I, when I worked that job, I always worked the holidays because you, you get double pay. That is a lot of money. So I always worked it, but I worked nights. So that gave me the open, open uh, availability during the day for my family to be there for the holidays. But I digress. The the reason I say that is because I know firsthand that there is a such thing as holiday blues. It starts on Halloween. A lot of people don't realize that, but people, you know, Halloween is a family gathering time. Plus, you are around people and being the pandemic, it just made it worse. Not only are some of these people not around their loved ones or children or grandchildren or whatever, they're you know, captive inside their house. So it, it makes it worse, especially, you know, during Halloween. And then, of course, it, get, it just progression gets worse with Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year. And typically, by the time you get to New Year, you know, you're just you're really down in the dumps. So if you happen to be someone who's listening to my voice, number one, I'm sorry that you decided that there's nothing better to listen to than my voice. But number two is you're above ground. You're still breathing. And with all things in life, it starts over with one. So January 1st is day one of a brand new year. So if you want to start over, start over. There's nothing wrong with that. You always have to begin somewhere. If it's a bad trek that you're going down, stop it. 
switch sides. You know, the the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again the exact same way, but expecting a totally different outcome. Change it. Tweak it just a little bit. And see what happens. Even if it's the minute of details, just change it. Because you don't want to be insane, right? So just make a soft, gentle adjustment. Meet the new year with a head on. Try to be optimistic. And I know for some of you, that is really, really tough to be optimistic. But again, you're above ground. And there's a reason for that. Make the best of it. Because as much as we like to to say that, again, I, I, I know a lot of people that are like, I'm in control of my destiny. And to an extent, I do believe that. But you've got to make the decisions. You've got to good, bad, or indifferent. No one can make decisions but you. So approach each decision in the new year more logical, more thought out, less emotion. And try to make 2021 your new start, the new you. The reset. No political pun there. That was just the word that came to mind. So I just, I don't know. I felt like I wanted, I needed to tell somebody out there that's listening. I I hope that that kind of alleviates the the stress of the new year and and the depression and the sadness. And, you know, one of the things that I, I put out, and this is not a ploy to, you know, get people to listen to my show because, well, quite frankly, I'm going to be gone for six months. So <laughs> there you go. Um, but if you, even if you don't know me, you can contact me email. I'm I'm the type of person I respond to emails quickly. I have them directed straight to my phone, even the the Jazel Modcast emails. I have them, you know. And if you're just like, hey, you know, I don't know who you are, but I listen to your podcast. Thanks or whatever. Drop me a line. I'll reply. Even if it's nothing more than. If you, you know, if you reply, I, I won't feel alone or something. I, I will reply. It doesn't matter. I will reply. And you can reach me through the podcast at mypubliclife at jayzomon, J-A-Y-Z-O-M-O-N.com. And, yeah, I don't feel like, I feel like there's no reason for anybody to bring in the new year alone. So, there you go. Um... Let's see. What else do I got? Uh, Christmas. We had Christmas. That was, for me, as a father, it was it was very uh, entertaining, I think would be the best word for it. It was quite entertaining. Uh, you know, the older you get, the less Christmas is about you and more about your children. And... To see the excitement on everybody's faces. Oh well, I'll, I'll, we'll we'll stick to my my kids. We'll, we'll, we won't go past it out. But you know, um, for me, that's what it was about. That was the the icing on the cake. You know, um, everybody was legitimately excited for the gifts that were given, and it was a good time all around. You know, good food, good time, good movie. Yeah, we've got to watch a good movie, too. I think we did. Or is that? I don't remember. My days are starting to mesh together. Speaking of movies, that is why we are here. We cover all the fun, nerdy geek stuff. Every week for the last five months, I've come to you with one movie news, one television news, one animated series or animated movie news, comic book news, and, as always, I send you home with Toy of the Week. And if Toy of the Week does not make you cry, there is something seriously wrong with you. 
It is, it is, you'll, you'll like it. If you stick around for Toy of the Week, you will like this. Okay, we are opening up with our first topic of the week. As always, we start off with movie news. And jumping right into the topic, it says, Could Spider-Man 3 be setting up a superior Spider-Man movie arc? Hmm. Hmm, I say. Hmm. Have a seat there, boy. Let's let's find out. Spider-Man 3 has Marvel fan guessing about the 14,605 possibility of a trequel. Yes, trequel. Storyline that could play out. Spider-Man 3 has been generating big headlines since it started production. As casting rumors have pointed to major stars from star- the past of Spider-Man movies making returns in Spider-Man 3, including Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Alfred Molina, Kristen Dunst. Before that, we got word that Benedict Cumberbatch, Doctor Strange, will also be showing up in Spider-Man 3, suggesting that the film could be tied into a larger multiverse story arc unfolding in Phase 4 of Marvel's Cinematic Universe. The question at hand, could Spider-Man 3's big multiverse storyline be leading to... With so many different versions of the Spider-Man showing up, and Marvel and Sony entering the next phase of their work relationship, could things end on a major twist of introducing the superior Spider-Man into the movie universe? The Superior Spider-Man was a 2010s arc that saw Doc Octopus pull off a dark scheme, swapping bodies with Peter Parker in order to escape his own death. Octavius was able to masquerade as Spider-Man for quite some time. In an effort to prove that he's a better or superior Spider-Man than Peter Parker, and a better man than Otto Octavius was, eventually walking in Spider-Man's shoes led Octavius eventually having his evil ways influenced by Spider-Man's code of responsibility and got pulled towards being an actual hero. Now, before I go on, I I remember that. That was like 2013-2014 when that came out. And they they made the big whole thing about it was the death of Spider-Man. Uh, honestly, I hope they don't do a cinematic pool because I honest I, I just thought it was it was a it was weak. I thought it was kind of I don't know. I I'm I'm trying to be nice about it, but it it wasn't one of their better ideas. I mean, that's why the story got canceled is because it wasn't one of their better ideas. I don't know. Um, personally, I hope that they don't go that route, but, you know, I will follow along regardless, uh, just because it's the cinematic universe, and, you know, hey, all in all, in reality, what, it took like 25 years of being a nerd before we could actually get good movie, comic book movies on the big screen, so, you know, yeah, I'm trying to be non-biased here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, it says, Spider-Man 3 could easily turn Alfred Molina's reappearance as Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2 into something much bigger. Doc Ock is someone that could easily use the chaos of the multiverse collision to give himself a second lease on life as Spider-Man. Even easy way to put it, would be to have a big cinematic third act to Spider-Man 3 that sees these various characters of Peter Parker, Spider-Man, all come together. But when they all go back to where they're supposed to come from, maybe the original Spider-Man left behind isn't the original at all. Now, as I'm reading this more, I don't know why what the thing is with the the culture we have right now wanting to get rid of Peter Parker 
I don't get it. Peter Parker is the original Spider-Man. That is one of the, the real keystones to Marvel Universe is that we don't change. I mean, like, okay, for example, DC, you know, they had how many different flashes? Three? Three, I think of? Um, you know, and that's, that's to me, I think that, that kind of defeats the the connection that you have with these characters because once you change them and you, you make them more of a modern character with the, the same superhero name, it just, I don't know, it lessens. It's like a, a, a diluted version of the original. That's just my opinion, but that's, that's, I don't know. That's the way I see it. You know, the, for some reason they've been trying to, you know, they replace, uh, you know, for of course, first they they did the Miles Morales, and then they did um, uh, what's his name, the twenty ninety nine Victor guy. They tried to bring him in the continuity to this time. I know his first name is Victor, but I can't remember his last name. Oh shoot! And then um, you know, then they did the Doc Ock thing, and I don't know. Again, it's just my the way my perception is. I just I feel like they're trying to change Peter Parker, and I don't know why they would want to do that instead of just giving. You know, you can always give a different character the same powers or similar powers and give them a new title. I mean that that, that works. It's worked in the past. I don't know why it wouldn't work now. Okay, I'm yammering, and we need to finish this first article. <laughs> it says, So why is now the time for Superior Spider-Man? Well, in terms of the film franchise, it's something new. Genuinely new. The Spider-Man movies have been rebooted so many times, there's no room left for another do-over of Peter Parker's story. However... There is room for the new Spider-Man character to get a spotlight on the big screen. See, that particular paragraph proves my point. Why do they want to get rid of Peter Parker? Now, I, have my, I do have my theories, but I'm not going to put it out here. Because I can't prove it. And I'm not going to put out something that I can't prove. It's just, you know, I, that theory. I don't know. It says, obviously, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, is the major character that fans want to see on screen. But Miles currently has his own animated movie series, Into the Spider-Verse, and video game, Spider-Man, Miles Morales. He's not hurting for exposure in the franchise. Superior Spider-Man would be less expect surprise twist for fans. It would also be a great way to give someone of the Spider-Man actors, whether it's Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, or Tom Holland, something fun and new to do with the role. Maguire would be the most iconic choice as he would be getting a chance to go deeper as the evil Peter Parker bit from Spider-Man 3. The best part, if Spider-Man 3 is really opening the door to a live-action Spider-Verse, then Holland's Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and Superior Spider-Man storyline are all on the table. And then it says, would you like to see that happen? Now, I'm going to say, actually, for the most part, yes. I, I think that they've really fleshed out Miles Morales as a character over the the years. It's probably probably what closer to a decade now. Um. So yes, I, and I enjoyed how they portrayed him in the Spider-Man multiverse. I like that. But again, and I I get where this article says you know for the article or for the actors to to chew on something new. Um. I don't know. I mean, you know, what are we in? We're in like 600 issues of Spider-Man. Maybe more. I think there's plenty 
more stories to be told than nine Spider-Man movies. You know, I, I think that there's more to be told. It's, it's again, it, it's not like... It's not like DC. DC and Marvel have a different approach to storytelling. And... It's it, that's what defines them, DC and Marvel. You know, it, it's like I I don't. If you're a fan, you understand that statement without me trying to explain it. You know, okay. Best case scenario. Here we go, and this actually leads me into my next topic, and it's Superman and Lois trailer released. Now I have had a chance. I did watch the the trailer. And I'm going to read this. I'm going to try to get through reading this. And then I'm going to input my thoughts. Because, you know, it's my podcast. So I've got thoughts. Especially it's nerdy crap. I've got more thoughts for that. All right. Here we go. It says, The CW has released a new trailer for Superman and Lois. Now, whenever I hear Superman and Lois... Yeah, I lied. There's my thought. I didn't even get to finish with the first sentence. <laughs> okay, when I think of Superman and Lois, I instantly think of Dean Kane. And I know that that's what they were trying to go with when they cast this this the new guy who's playing Superman. Because Dean Kane has a Hispanic look to him. But it worked. It didn't... It didn't... I don't know how to explain it. He, he he was Hispanic, but he had that Christopher Reeve feel to him. And it just worked. It really worked. Now, this new guy... He, now, before I start getting hate mail, and if, if you've never listened to me, let me just point out what I'm about to say is it's not... A racist thing. I can already hear people before I even say it. I can hear people like, "Oh, that's racist." My name is David Montoya. Emphasis on the Montoya part. That's how it's actually pronounced, Montoya. Why? Because I am Hispanic. Okay, so I'm not being racist. I'm making an observation. The new. Superman, which I will find his name. I'm sure it's in here somewhere. And mind you, we still haven't even finished the first sentence of this article. Uh, he seems a little too Hispanic. I mean, I don't know how to say it. Superman is not Hispanic. Superman is an alien. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I just, that was one of the things that I saw right off the bat with the trailer. But I'm digressing all over the place but you know this is my final episode so there we go so i'm going to rewind that half of a sentence of the first sentence that i started with and i'm going to give it to you all okay here we go take two the cw has released a new trailer for superman and lois the upcoming tv series starring taylor hitchlin and bitsy tulich I'm going to go with Tulich, T-U-L-L-O-U-C-H, Tulich, as DC's most famous super couple. After months of fans being teased with behind-the-scenes peaks and promo images of Superman's new costume, we now get a look at the finished product. Superman, Lois, seeing Lois and Clark relocating back to Smallville, where they will raise two teenage sons, who may or may not end up like with their dad's powers. Meanwhile, they have to balance family life with responsibilities of public figures in their own right. Now, I think just that alone explains my feelings on Superman. Oh, well, Superman and Lois. Okay. They have two teenage sons. Remember, I, again, I don't understand this mindset. It's not going to be... Uh, I don't know. It, it's not Superman. Superman 
Okay, number one, Superman married Lois finally in 1992, I believe. Okay, so that's, what, a good 60-year gap of stories, of stories, 60 years of stories where Superman and Lois are not married. They don't have kids. They don't have kids in the comic, by the way. So why are they, again, not going to source material 60 years worth and they're making stuff up and they're like oh this is this is you know amazing this is just cutting edge stuff and when you have people like me who's an absolute diehard comic nerd all it does is really 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 piss me off and i can't uh, i'll have to put a beep there because it does it really upsets me because you have all this back history, this wonderful golden age back history that you could tap into. Well, actually, gold and silver and copper age, if you want to really dig into the nerdy stuff. But, yeah. So, all right. That was paragraph one. Let's go to paragraph two. <laughs> the series was put together a fairly impressive cast already. And in addition to Hochelin... I think it's... We're going to have to find out because it's H-O-E-C-H-L-I-N. Now, in my head, I'm hearing Ho-Chillin'. So, I don't know. Maybe. If I'm wrong, I apologize. And Tulich, Superman and Lewis will feature Dylan Walsh as General Sam Lane. Emmanuel Kapaski as Lana Lang. Interesting, because... Emmanuel, to me, is a, a male's name. Um, Eric Valdez as her husband. Adam Rayner as Morgan Edge. And Wall Parks. And Stacy. Wow. 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 Hold on. Give me a second to digest that. That was that's some... Wow. Holy crap. Okay. Let me try this again. Adam Rayner as Morgan Edge and Wool Parks and Stacy Fiber in a pair of villainous roles. That is how it is written. And that's why it took me a second to go, hold on. I, I literally had to read that in my head, process it, make it make sense so I can understand it, and then I read it blankly. All right, here is the official synopsis of the story via CW's original announcement of the first season. How many people think that this is going to, just based off the teaser trailer, how many of you guys think it's not even going to make it past season one? Let me know. I'm curious. I really am curious. Okay, this is the synopsis from CW. In Superman and Lois, after years of facing megalomaniac supervillains, monsters wreaking havoc on Metropolis, and alien Vader's intent on wiping out human race, the world's most famous superhero, the Man of Steel, a.k.a. Clark Kent, and comic books' most famous journalist, Lois Lane, come face-to-face -face with one of their greatest challenges ever— Dealing with all stress and pressures and complexity that come with working as parents in today's society. Oh my god. No. Just no. No. That just sounded like the end of like Saved by the Bell. And we all know how I feel like it. It was just like, you know. Next on NBC. Okay, that was a 90s or 80s reference, but, you know, hey. That was for the Gen Xers out there. Okay, I can do this. I can make it through this article. This article is making my eye twitch. I'm sure everybody out there laughing at me, making great audio, but this is me suffering for the art. Complicating already daunting job of raising two boys, 
Clark and Lois must also concern themselves with whether or not their son Jonathan and Jordan can inherit their father's Kryptonian superpowers as they grow older. Returning to Smallville to handle some Kent family business, Clark and Lois are reacquainted with Lana Lang, a local loan officer who also happened to be Clark's first love, and her fire chief husband, Kyle Cushing. The adults aren't the only ones rediscovering old friendships in Smallville, as the Kent sons are reacquainted with Lana and Kyle's rebellious daughter, Sarah. Of course, there's never a dull moment in the life of a superhero, especially with Lois's father, General Samuel Lane, looking for Superman to vanquish a villain or save the day at a moment's notice. Meanwhile, meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice, sorry, I just had to do that. The Super Friends set for a meeting. What is today's? No, never mind. I'm getting too into it. Oh, goodness. Um, all right, let's try this again. <laughs> okay, I can do this. Meanwhile, Superman and Lois return to the idyllic Smallville is set to upended with the mysterious, strange entrance of their lives. Based on characters from DCs, created by Jerry Siegel and Joel Suster, Superman and Lois is written and executive produced by Todd Helbing, The Flash, and executive producer by... Uh, Greg Barlini. Yep. And Jeff Jones. Mm -hmm. The series is a Bellini production in association with Warner's Television. Superman and Lois will premiere in the spring of 2021. Now, if I have not given you enough of my opinion on this one single article, I won't even give the first episode a try. I mean, that to me just sounds horrible. Horrible. Why would you do that? Why? Nobody's going to be interested in in a married Superman. I, I just, I don't know. It, it, dynamics between married people. That's why in the comic books they changed it where he wasn't married. He was like married for like a year and then they they changed the time altering because dynamics and storytelling is more dynamic as unmarried it's just the way the dynamic character especially if if and it, it, i know this sounds sexist but i'm a guy i know this it's there's more of a uh i'm i'm trying to think of how i can say this in a there's more of a, a passionate, fiery kind of thing when you have two people that are dating versus people that are married. Now, yes, there is people that don't fit that stereotype, but there is enough people out there in the world to have a stereotype based on that. So I'm not going to be around for season one, episode one. Or any other episode. I mean, I kind of fell off after... I I fell off after Flash Season 3. I never watched any of the Green Arrow stuff or anything else. Uh, that's where I kind of fell off with the CW. That just... I don't know. The story changed. Now, here's one. Speaking of stories. And I picked this is because my daughter and I... My middle daughter, Zoe... Um, we decided to have movie light, movie night last night, and we ended up watching a movie called Soul, which was on Disney Plus, and it was an excellent, excellent movie. I really enjoyed it. I, I number one, I also enjoyed the blues and jazz, and it had a plethora of that in there incorporated. And I was just like, you know, I was jamming to to the music. Zoe was into like the the cartoon of it, and it was just a fabulous. I would literally, I'd give it like an A minus. That's how good it was. Uh, maybe like a four and a half out of five stars. That's to me. That's how good it was. Um, 
So one of the things that I, I noticed, and I, I was really excited when I saw this because I was like, no, no, that's not right. But I actually, I am right. And I am right because there's an article about it, and I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. It is, Soul Fans Notice Jack Kirby Easter Egg. Yes, the master artist Jack Kirby. There is an Easter egg specifically an ode to him. Because Jack Kirby, while Stan Lee is the the father of, of modern comic books, Jack Kirby was the artist to modern comic books. Plus, Jack Kirby is also, a lot of people don't realize this, he was the co-creator of Captain America. So... And he was also, you know, he came up with all the visual concepts for like a lot of the X-Men, the Avengers, pretty much almost all of uh, Marvel's universe. He came up with the visual concepts of them. And so when I saw that, I was like, that is so cool that they actually gave him an ode. Okay, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to read this article and that's it. Okay. In Pixar's latest film, Soul, viewers are taken on a journey through not only the biggest question of life, but rather a unique setting, the great before, the part of the universe where souls become, or where, sorry, try that again, the part of the universe where souls come from before their lives on Earth. With the film's big question about what makes us who we are, and where our spark comes from. It should come to no surprise that the film also contains a nods and Easter eggs from those own sparks impacted the world, and it turns out comic book legend Jack Kirby is among them. Now, because I haven't put out any spoilers, let me go ahead and give this to you now. Let me bring the mic up a little bit closer and drop my voice down a little bit more. Warning. Spoilers for Pixar Soul below. There you go. Just for you. In Soul, after Joe Garner, Jamie Foxx, gets his big break as a jazz musician, he unfortunately falls into a manhole, and his injuries are fatal. While his body is getting medical attention on Earth, his soul is headed toward the great beyond. Though desperate to get back to his life, Joel manages to escape the conveyor belt, taking him to the afterlife, and ends up in the great before instead. There he encounters 22, Tina Fey, a soul who hasn't found her spark and thus hasn't entered her Earth Pass to have life, despite the best efforts of countless mentors over time. In, in soul, mentors are souls who have departed, who help new souls find their spark before they are off to their lives and where they're usually successful. 22 is a hard case. Inside of 22's residence, in the great beyond, a wall where the name stickers all of various historical figures who served as mentors. Names of numerous historical figures appear on the wall. One of one, the most prominent, was Jack Kirby. I caught that. I did. I, I wasn't 100% sure if it was, you know, uh, Jack Kirby. But it was actually, it is him. It was the king. And that's, if you're not familiar with Jack Kirby, that was his handle. Jack was the king. So it was King Kirby. That was very cool. I was very happy to read that. Um, let's see. That Kirby could be up there on the wall with other mentors responsible for inspiring new souls shouldn't be much of a surprise as the artist has inspired many people through his work. Kirby is one of those iconic names in comics responsible for co-creations of some of the comics' most well-known characters inspiring Captain America, which I just said, Black Panther, Fantastic Four, The Incredible Hulk, on the Marvel side, and DCs, the new gods, including Darkseid, Mr. Miracle, Big Barda, and more. Kirby's influence continues in, in comics today. 
long after his passing in 1994 at the age of 76. And while not all creative mentors and inspirers for those involved in the film appear in 22's Wall, the film's star tapped into them for his performances. Angela Bassett, who played the jazz musician Doretha in the film, told comicbook.com that she took much of her inspiration for the character from real-life legend, jazz legend, legend, sorry, getting tongue-tied, Dorothy Duggan and Betty Carter. I remember going to jazz clubs here in Los Angeles and in New York and seeing women who were ahead of their own combo. Dorothy Duggan, amazing on the piano, or seeing Betty Carter work those ones, those young ones. She always had, like, young guys in her band, and she could take them to task right there. You know, just, like, drive them, drive them to perfection right there. And that could be part of the show, but it was part of the ethic, you know, Bassett told comicbook.com. And also, I was just remembering that I am so impressed that to meet these incredible, dynamic, accom accomplished women who are doing it all the time and place here was difficult, but they did it in spite of it, you know? That's life, you know? This journey of life in spirit of difficult in spite of it. Soul is now streaming on Disney+. And I absolutely 100% think that you should go check that out. Uh, it, it is a fantastic movie. You walk away smiling. You appreciate art. You appreciate music. And you know what? For as what it is, you know, for an animated movie, it makes you walk away and, you know, feeling good about life speaking about feeling good about life they've they've dropped another joker oh just as if i have not spent enough money on this year on joker comic books there is now a new joker and it well let me go ahead and hit it with you this is the topic the joker number one preview shows Jim Gordon hunting for the clown prince. And this was released. Uh, no, it hasn't been released yet. Okay. Earlier this month came the announcement of DC Comics that the clown prince to climb himself, the Joker, will be getting his own ongoing comic book series starting the new year. Previously the star of many one-shots and mini-series throughout the year, this will mark the first ongoing series starring the Batman villain since 1970s. The Joker will be anchored to, by a main story from Batman Team... Uh, I'm going to say... I'm going to try this, and I apologize. Uh, Tyron... James Tyron IV, and Mogulin March. Again, I apologize if I slaughtered those names. I'm pretty sure I did. And also including the punchline-centered backstory from Tyrone IV, James John, and artist Marca Aldolfo, head of the comic's debut, a pre preview of some pages have been seen on the series to be released online, which can now be seen below. Okay, when I was approached by DC about the concept of an ongoing series spotlighting the Joker, I thought, what would that book even look like? Tyron said previously, I'm excited to share his story in a way that honors everything that a series about the Joker can be while coming at it from an exciting, unexpected angle. I'm also thrilled to continue working with Sam and Mika to expand the punchline story we begin in November as a backup feature in the new ongoing Joker series. The Joker Wars was only the beginning of the terror and mayhem we've been creating. The Joker will be a 40-page... Ooh... They don't really do that anymore. Very nice. The Joker will be a 40-page monthly series and will retail around 5 bucks, $4.99. The first issue will be available at comic book stores and digital retailers beginning Tuesday, March 9th, March 9th 2021. And, you know, I, I hope they put out some color, or they put out some pages, and I'm looking at them, and they're black and white, and I really, really hope that it is black and white because we need a black and white Batman comic. I think, you know, those, those type of Batman's 
Batman doesn't need color. In fact, I think if you take the color away from Batman, I think it's even better. And I'm looking at some of this artwork, and it's absolutely amazing. And again, it comes out March 9th, 2021, and it is $4.99. You can buy it in paperback, or you can buy it on like Comicology. And let's see, let's go ahead and read this before we wrap this up here. The following events of the Infinity Frontier, number one, the Joker is the most wanted man in the world, but the clown prince of crime is several steps ahead of law enforcement he is on the run overseas jim gordon facing retirement realizes that this manhunt of his life and the last piece of the story career but what mysterious and deadly forces are also in the pursuit of the joker and in the backup story following the events of the smash hit punchline number one dc's most controversial new villain investigates the infrastructure of blackgate penitentiary while on the side or on the outside hopper Rowe takes up the mantle as bluebird to stop her brother from falling under punchline's influence okay i'm in i'm in that's you know you you didn't you didn't have me at Superman but you sure got me at Joker. Wow yeah that's that's yeah especially that cover man that cover is just wicked it's black and white I mean there's there's a lot of variants but this is like classic yeah 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 <laughs> okay all right gang we are here at the final. And I've got one last thing to give you before we go on our way. Now, a lot of people may not realize that, yes, I mean, yes, this is the final week of 2020, but um, this would have been somebody's, on the 28th of this month would have been somebody's 98th birthday. And unfortunately, he was taken away from us uh, two years ago now. And... Um, you know, I, I think the world itself has really took a turn from who we were as a, a community, as people, since Stanley has passed away. And Stan was born on the 28th, and I, I felt like that this was kind of an ode to him as the past and an ode to the future, because like the influence of Jack Kirby in Soul, I think that, not think, I know, this is one of those things that I absolutely know from the bottom of my heart, that uh, not only will his cre his creations, his characters, his scenarios uh, will endure, but his writing, his legacy will inspire people to to continue the work that he started all those years ago, almost a century ago. And that brings me to this week's final toy of the week. And it is Marvel Comics 80th Anniversary Marvel Legends Stan Lee. And it is a beautifully crafted Stan Lee. Um, he looks like Stan Lee. I, I love it. He's holding Captain America's shield. And it's got his, his trademark signature. He's in a black jacket. He's in gray trousers. He's got black shoes. He's he's uh, posable, and it's just it was fantastic. And I think that how can you not close out um, an episode like that with? <laughs> I mean, legitimately, how can you you close out with? Uh, not paying tribute to Stan Lee. And let me see. I'm just pulling up some information here to read for you. It says, Product description. With over 80 years of comic book history, Marvel has become the cornerstone of fan collections around the world. With Marvel Legends series, fan favorite Marvel Comic Universe and Marvel Cinematic Universe characters are designed with a premium detail and articulation for top-of-the-line, posable, and displayable collectibles. The 80th anniversary of Marvel Legends Stan Lee cameo figure is inspired by the Legends cameo 
as a chess piece in the Avengers film. In the feature, it features Stanley with a chessboard and Captain America's shield with his name scrolled across the front. Yes, that is just absolutely love it. Feature product feature six inch for you Canadians out there. That's fifteen point two four centimeters. It is made of plastic and it is celebrating eighty years of Marvel Comics. Inspired by Stan Lee's cameo as a skeptical chess player in Marvel's The Avengers, highly posable action figure. The box contains Stan Lee figure, the shield, and chessboard. Now, of course, this is oh oh this one is not a pre-order. This one is actually up for grabs right now. So let me go ahead and lay it to you. This one is only twenty-six ninety-nine. That is absolutely for a Stanley figure that is, uh, you know, post-mortem and, uh, you know, 80 years of Marvel Comics. That's actually not a bad deal. Plus, it's a 400 or $400, <laughs> $4 shipping and handling. So you're going to drop about $31 on this figure. And it, I, to, to me, I think it's absolutely worth the, the deal. And if you want, you can go to, as always, TheBigBadToyStore.com and type in Marvel Comics 80th Anniversary Marvel Legends Stan Lee. It is by Hasbro and the band, the brands, can't talk because I'm almost finished, Marvel and Stan Lee. All right, gang, that is it for this season. And I hope you enjoyed it. Sincerely, I hope you enjoyed the ride We've covered some fun things, some fun facts. And, you know, whether or not I come back early or come back later, or actually make it on time, which is not likely because I am a tourist. So me being on time is not a likely thing. Um, but it happens once in a while. Look at last year. But I will say that I'm once I get re-energized and, you know, 2021, the first part of 2021 is going to see me uh, being a consumer, being someone that's going to take the input, uh, be entertained for a while, and hopefully recharge my creative battery. And then mid-2021, I can come back and start up everything again and just start moving forward um, because – one of the things that I want to mention before I leave here is that I started doing this in 1992. So my company, the Jaiselmon Dark Myth Company, is one year shy of being 30 years old. And if you don't think that I don't have plans for a 30-year anniversary... Oh, where have you been? You don't know me very well. So, for this final episode of Season 4 of My Public Life as an American Nerd, I am David K. Montoya, and as always, I bid you adieu.